The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hello, Cage Club listeners. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in. I wanted to give a little heads up that in um, this episode, the revenge episode, we do have an explicit conversation about sexual assault and predatory behavior. And um, we want to support our listeners and make sure that everyone feels good, feels safe. Um, If you're uncomfortable with this topic and um, feel free to turn the podcast off, we won't be mad at you. And if you're feeling uncomfortable and want to talk to someone else, um, the National Sexual Assault Hotline is 1-800-656-4673. They're available 24 hours a day and um, are ready and waiting to chat with you if that's something that... um, that you want right now. So thanks. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Jennifer, stand in between my associates. Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I'm Aislinn Addington. And I'm Tobin Addington. And we have our first returning guest today. Back for a, a second time, Woo! Cage Club co-founder Joey Lewandowski. Hey, hello, Joey, how hello, you doing? Hello, hello. I am great. I saw this movie for the third time in my life. I'm going to keep wow. watching it over and over again. I love it. <laughs> I bullied both of you into doing it. And I am sorry, but also thankful. All right. That's a strong position to start with. I, I appreciate um, a, a line in the sand. Oh, um, yes. I feel, like there's, I feel like this whole episode is going to be lines in the sand. <laughs> Which I, is appropriate, given this movie. Absolutely. Really. No, and I, I don't think it's going to be contentious necessarily. I think it's just going to be difficult, as was watching the movie. And <laughs> as we said with um, Zero Dark Thirty, full disclosure... Um, I definitely skimmed some of the harder bits <laughs> for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. that I I got the I got what I needed to, and then I I moved it a little faster through the scene. Um, and I think and I feel good about that. Well, there are definitely parts of this that are just like obscenely graphic, just for the sake of being graphic. Yeah. Well, and we'll, it does lead into that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll get there, but um. Let's tell people what we're watching. <laughs> we should. We should. We are watching Revenge, the French film from either 2017, if you saw it at a film festival, or 2018, if you're watching it after the film festival. Now that it's out on video on demand, we are uh, Joey, as he said, it's, it's seen this movie, I guess. At a, at a, where'd you see it? Actually, I originally. saw a Fantastic Fest uh, last September. Brag. I know. He's been talking about this movie for. Oh my god! I, I I don't know if I should say it now or later, but like this is one of those movies that like every year I go to Fantastic Fest and I'm not going this year because of a whole bunch of reasons. But basically mm-hmm. every year that I went, there was always one movie where I was like, "Oh, this is the movie that I can't wait for people to see." And two years ago it was It Follows. No, three three years ago it was It Follows. Two years ago was Raw, which is another one I hope. 
we do for this. I'm going to bully you. Into, I'm, that's another one that Island is not going to want to watch, I don't think, because it's also <laughs> really gory. Uh, and then last year was Revenge. And I was just like, these are the movies that I don't know when they're coming out. Because that's the whole thing with festivals. Like You don't know when right. things are going to be, if they're going to be viewable by the public. But when I saw this one, it had already been picked up by Shudder. Uh, so they had distributed it. It's going to be on Shudder streaming, I think, at some point, if it's not there already. But I was like, I can't wait to see this again. It's also our first foreign film, a foreign language film, which I, which is uh, notable. Made it harder to um, multitask. That was my <laughs> that was my other. So okay, here's my history with the movie. Stupid Twitter, and my um, need to please people and to be <laughs> and to be a voice on Twitter. Joey says, "Hey." What about this? And then I did watch that little, it wasn't, I suppose it's a like reaction teaser mm-hmm. that, yeah. that shows some of the um, trolls <laughs> in the world um, trying to mansplain this movie and why it's terrible or, or what have you. Yep. Um, and so I, I reacted to that and I was like, oh, I might have some things to say. And then before I knew it, <laughs> we were watching this movie and so i made a very specific plan to watch it sunday morning because in last sunday afternoon yesterday i was going to a farm sanctuary and i wanted that to be like the last thing i did you know what i mean like oh uh-huh, yeah the linger in your yeah yeah the linger in my weekend so that when people say hey would you do this weekend <laughs> it wasn't watch a brutal um <laughs> French film and have opinions about it. So I, I settled in, um, in a little nest in my home with my laptop and, um, joy podcast helped me sure did. get started and I watched it Sunday morning and then I got to pet cows and a uh, pig named cupcake. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a weekend right there. That I really, truly, truly was not to mention no. vegan nachos, but that marketing campaign, I think, was really smart. We'll repost that link if people haven't seen that. Even if you're not going to see the movie, I think that it's worth it's worth looking at the way that they turned the trolls into mm-hmm. the advertising for the movie. Absolutely. Um, and I do have some other a comment about commentary as we get into it. But before we go any further, um, I wanted to bring another Twitter conversation into the podcast, mm. which is. There are post-credit bloopers, folks. For every single episode. Every episode. Tobin, you know how much (laughs) I love a blooper. I do. I do. I know you love bloopers. I don't necessarily love them when they're featuring me. Um, And it it took me several episodes to realize it. Again, (laughs) apologies to our very kind network, Cage Club Network. We are so happy to be here with you. But I sort of knew the plugs, right? <laughs> so as the as the conversation died down, you know, I, I'm there for it. So to listen to the whole thing feels, I don't know, a little icky. Um, Joey, do you listen to yourself podcast? I listen to myself podcast if I don't edit it. So okay. when I when I do an episode with Mike and Mike edits it, like he did all the Keanu, he did all the Cinemakers that I did with Tobin. You know, when he edits it, I listen to it back. On a faster speed, like I don't listen to myself in one time speed because I've already had the conversation. I pretty much know how it goes. I'm impressed mm-hmm. that you listen to yourself again at all. Like that's commendable, I think, or vain. It's, 
I'm not well, sure that's what which. It feels weird. It's funny that you listen faster because I come from qualitative research background. And um, when you're transcribing like interviews or yes. focus groups or whatever, there's a, for me, there's a sweet spot of slowing it down yes. a certain amount. Mm-hmm. But if you slow it down too much, people start to sound drunk. Yep. <laughs> and maybe they are, but that's not, that's not while you're listening to it. So it's funny to go the other direction. I have not yet, you know, uh, broached the editing world um, in this way. Tobin hasn't made me do that yet, but maybe <laughs> maybe he'll challenge me on Twitter and then I'll have to do it. Yeah, so. Good old Tobin podcast. <laughs> Tobin podcast. So, um, so stay Joe, tuned, folks. Yeah, stay tuned. For, yes, please. Sorry, I lost I lost the thread. Um, at the very end, our blooper is cultivated by Tobin. And I usually try and make myself the butt of the bloopers. Usually it's me <laughs> messing up, but occasionally, occasionally it's not. There was, I think the last episode, there was a, or two episodes ago, there's a fun one from Iceland. There was a. Well, yeah, no, I'm glad to be the butt. That's no problem. Um, sometimes it's just me laughing. <laughs> yes, yes. We have a hard time ever since the days of recording an outgoing voicemail oh. on on the old school answering machine. Young people, back in the day, you had an answering machine. It even used to have a tape. I don't know if we were using tape ones. We might have been digital at the time we were doing this. But <laughs> our mother demanded that we jointly record the outgoing voicemail for people. So when they called in, they heard our voices and... That that shoot took a while. That took a long time. That was basically our first podcast, really. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> really was. So, in, don't worry. We've, we've gotten better. Our trajectory is great. Um, back to revenge, please. Because if you've made me watch it, then let's talk about it so that I can move on with my life. Tobin, could we? Yes. Ha- well, I guess we do do the two bits before we do the synopsis i don't know if that's yeah, wise we, 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 we've always done it this way okay let's do it this way this time too so when, <laughs> can you give me two bits about this film i can uh the first bit it comes from an interview with the director whose name was coralie farge that's how i'm told it's pronounced anyway on twitter uh no, she does. Uh, oh, that's right. Because you're because you're such uh-huh. a fan of this. Is how vocal Joey is as a fan of this movie. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, now I'm going to say something nice on Twitter, so that maybe yeah. she'll like me too. Yeah, yeah. So, th- so yeah. Okay. Oh, go ahead. No, no. no. I was going to yeah. say because she seems badass. Like, was this movie very um, difficult to watch for me? Yes. <laughs> However, I. There, there are elements of the um, passion behind it that I, I dig pretty hard. So mm-hmm. I definitely would like to be friends with this awesome French lady. And this is only her first movie. This is her first feature, which is her incredible. debut feature. All yeah. Right, so you gotta, you gotta set me up as her friend, Joey. Podcast. I sure will. Island podcasts. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so this this uh, for her debut feature film, she was asked where the idea for the sort of the genesis of the movie came from. And I just rather than sort of rehash it, I'm going to read to you what she how she answered this question. This was an uh, an interview with Jezebel. Uh, She says about the movie. It basically came from the idea of the character, this pretty girl who would be seen at the beginning as being kind of weak and empty because she presents herself in a certain way, crushed by the male gaze, and would be reborn as a very strong and powerful kind of warrior. So it really come, really came down – sorry. 
So it really came from this iconic twist of the Lolita becoming a totally self-empowered girl. And I didn't want to make a very realistic horror film. I was much more inspired by revenge movies like Kill Bill or Mad Max or Rambo, characters who create a whole universe by themselves. So I'm anxious as we get into the movie to see sort of if that's if that feels true to the way the movie comes across uh, or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how that fits in our conversation. The other um, tidbit and maybe I, I, Joey, I don't know if you had if you there were Q&A's no, with people not, at the screens. Not that for you this saw. One. So I think she might have been there for the first screening of it. But for when we saw it, there was nobody there. So I've never I don't know like this, like the second bit I'm reading right now. I don't I didn't know this before. I read it here, so I don't know anything about this. So the director had met a lot of young women to play Jen, the the main character, and met the woman who eventually plays her, who played her in the movie, Matilda Lutz. I had met her early on in the process, but then cast somebody else who dropped out just within weeks of shooting. Mm Uh, and the director said she thought it was because she had become sort of scared by both the material and kind of the filmic approach to the material. Um, and uh, anyway, I don't, we don't, we, it's, it's, we have not, heard, don't know who this actress was, or <laughs> we haven't heard her side of the story, but she remembered in her, the director remembered this uh, uh, sort of great meeting and audition with this other actress, this Matilda Lutz called her up and she jumped at it. And with, with a couple of weeks to prep, jumped into the movie. So those are your, uh, those are our two bits. Those are great bits. Thank you. Um, now that you've uh, named a couple, let's uh, give the proper ding to uh, the women in main roles in front of and behind the camera of Revenge. Let's do it. Let's ding it out. I don't have a cool French accent like Tobin because I didn't marry a cool lady who um, <laughs> speaks French. Writer-director, Coralie Farge. Lead role, Matilda Anna Ingrid Lutz. Producers, Carol Bereton. And Nadia Kamlichi. Those were tough. Yeah. Those were tough. This, like, yeah Everything about this episode this, is tough for you, Aislinn. I'm so sorry that I put you through all of this. Uh, speaking <laughs> of tough, Tobin, could you please give us a short synopsis for those who did not want to partake in this film? <laughs> yes, to submit to this movie. Mm-hmm. In this revisionist rape-revenge horror thriller... Jen, a young woman who's traveled to an unnamed desert wilderness with her married boyfriend, Richard, survives a violent sexual assault at the hands of Richard's friend, Stan. Rather than get her to the authorities, Richard and his buddies try to kill Jen, a plan that backfires as Jen reinvents herself as a gruesome avenging angel and, one by one, slaughters her attackers. Oh, it's so good. It's so good even just like reading it. Just <laughs> so satisfying. Um, did you write that one, Tobe, or did you find that one? I did. I wrote that one. I figured. Because it was um, succinct and evocative. Not unlike yourself. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, we talked about – I just want to get in here quick because I'm angry. We talked about the – what piqued my interest was the discussion, the, the troll discussion around, yes. you know um, – and I don't even remember specifically what they said, but just they were they were to the effect of women don't have muscles, women can't be heroes. What's with all this? Like women thinking they can like avenge themselves. It's all just like right. the most inane nonsense. And also like, that this is the you know um, 
I got a very strong, like, oh, stupid feminists are, you know, uh, the fantasy part of it being un mm. not unnecessary, but like un- unearned. And, you know, I don't know. It just, but it irked me, right? And um, when I'm going to watch something that I know has content that will be shocking to me, because I do have a sensitive system, <laughs> um, <laughs> I go to IMDb and I go through the um, MPAA, what it got its rating for. And mm-hmm. it's, oh, a, yeah. it's a problematic uh, system that is a discussion for another time, but it it tells you what it is. And the language in that made me mm-hmm. so angry even before I watched the film. Really? Wow. It was so victim blamey. Uh-huh. Even in just how they described so that she dances around the fire, which of course arouses the men. Uh, was almost almost verbatim what hmm. what they said and just so illustrates this culture and how um and and <laughs> The way that we can can consider the topic of um, whether it's you know sexual assault or even just back to women's sexuality is so bro- problematic and so toxic that you can't describe a scene without blaming someone for what happens next. Like it mm-hmm. just my mind exploded like in her <laughs> like in her peyote dream. When her head explodes several times, <laughs> yeah. which was like the least of my problems in terms of watching the violence in this film. <laughs> um, but just so so out of the gate, I was ready for um, I was ready for I feel like it this film in a way like avenges the problematic nature of of how we usually deal with this topic. And and if Jen was around, she would probably slice open whoever wrote that particular <laughs> part of the NDAA. So I know we're way ahead of ourselves, but um, I just wanted to start with that to say I I came in hot on this one. <laughs> I'm looking at it now, and it is so. The problem with IMDb, which becomes a delight when you're looking at trivia, is that I think all of this is just written by random people who go on and yeah. like think they're being helpful and so mm-hmm. when it's trivia for a movie that you've ne- like a Zac Efron movie that nobody's ever seen and it's just like rambly incoherent thoughts from like a 14 year old girl it's delightful to read but in this case you're exactly right like it's all just I mean it's inaccurate it's impartial it's sexist it's degrading it's victim blamey it's in a sense you get a sense of what you see but you don't like it's like they don't they didn't see the movie. You know what I mean? Well, like it's, it's Yeah, absolutely. No, but they saw the movie with this lens of Right. this rape culture lens that mm-hmm. is ubiquitous. And so they they didn't get it, right? That Right, right. That's so to me this is yes, a particular story and it is it is fantasy, right? There are elements that are absolutely <gasps> So here's what it is. The revenge part is fantastical. Yep. But the all the elements demonstrated by the men are so grounded in what where we are and what right. we deal with. Right. And that right. was just so clear to me. And I have all these I have all these notes of the entitlement and the insecurity mm. that, you know, I mean th- there's a again for another another topic is you know, the hashtag masculinity so fragile and whether that is helpful <laughs> or not um, or true or not, but it is true. So 
get over it <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and move forward. And so I think that, you know, the folks writing, writing that the, the larger narrative was invisible to them and, you know, because of their, their privilege or their, what have you, um, that they just kind of didn't, didn't get it. So I, I don't know, Joey. I just, can I love and hate this movie at the same time? Can I love this movie and never want to see it again? Yes. What I really love about this movie, and there's a couple different things I don't want to say here, but like, number one, it basically starts out looking like a Michael Bay movie. Like, it is beautifully shot. I think it's super, super telling that the first close up in this movie is of the of Richard's face his eye his sunglasses looking before we know how much of a monster he is looking badass like this guy is our hero mm-hmm. in the back seat you know we have Jen gorgeous literally sucking a lollipop like Lolita just like I was gonna say just sunglasses and lollipop yes. it's so Lolita and she is mm-hmm. his like she's insignificant like she's out of focus he's in focus like this is our hero this is his arm candy. And then like how quickly that reverses is mm-hmm. incredible. But I think what really makes this movie satisfying, if you are, as the kids say, woke to what's actually going on and you're able to see, like you were saying, Island, like how insecure and fragile these men are. Like the whole movie is them essentially thinking that they are invulnerable and can't be hurt by this little girl. Mm-hmm. And they like that is their doom the entire time, and and they're entitled yes. to everything. They're entitled to get away from her. They're entitled to kill her because she's in the way. Not only that, I mean, obviously, you know, before then, entitled to um, entitled to assault her is what I wanted to say. Yep. And and yeah, well, yeah, I I agree, and I think you see that not only in their predatory behavior throughout, whether it's you know, getting her alone and, and assaulting her or then like actually hunting her. But it's right, so true right. in their interactions with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a moment where where Stan, who committed the sexual assault, I had, I caught myself having a very brief sort of sympathetic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. moment with like, he's, he's then somehow becomes this strangely sympathetic character because of the dynamics with him and Richard particularly because Chubby gets axed pretty early on I did not ever catch his name I just called him Chubby I didn't like I didn't know it was Stan until this watch through like it doesn't matter there's fat guy who Stan and Chubby yes there's Chubby who eats food disgustingly throughout this most of this movie until he gets stabbed in the eyes and dies there is the one who commits commits a sexual assault and then there is you know, as described in Tobin's write-up, which we really sort of glossed over, her married boyfriend, like this guy who has a wife and a baby at home, is mm-hmm. off with his buddies hunting, but also there with his girlfriend, who he's just there to have his way with in a house made of glass, because that's what you do when yeah. you're that rich and you have a house made of glass, I guess. I don't know. I'm not Yeah, that it was, rich. I mean, it was, it was all hunting. You know what I mean? Like yes. the whole, mm-hmm. um, before we go too far past the gross eating, I just need to point something out because it will come back in the game portion of our, oh. of our, um, discussion this evening is yes, the opening shot then goes into the house and then immediately we've got, um, nudity and, and consensual sexual activity, Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, which includes a lot of man buns. Yes. Right? They, mm-hmm. I saw, I saw almost everyone's butt. Which is fine. I, I'm all for it. But um, but that coupled with um, the 
close-ups of eating and the that whole motif and then all the bugs. Yep. That's mm-hmm. how I knew this movie was French. <laughs> <laughs> Man buns, bugs, and weird mouth close-ups. And also, in a similar <laughs> regard, a whole lot of full frontal male nudity. Like at the beginning mm-hmm. and the like the entire Just final swinging around. 20 minute sequence of this movie, <laughs> Richard is naked. Like we don't see him mm-hmm. fully naked the entire time, but you watch and it's like it's basically a really long one shot and he's fully nude the entire time. So how long do you think that took to shoot? Oh boy. I guess the Tobin would probably like that, that sequence? Yeah, that very long the whole the whole last sequence is they're going a few days. This is a quick okay. movie to to shoot. They shot they shot this in with with like basically in a month. It was a very okay. very quick quick That's shoot. That's got to be like three days, four days. Yeah, sure. Just yeah. hanging low. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they probably I figured out that it was French because they were speaking French. That that's was my clue. But I <laughs> well, but I know I know but I know no I know I know exactly what you mean. So they don't speak French as much as I thought that they were going to. No, which is surprising, which I kind of liked. I mean, they all speak like clearly English is none of their first languages, but they all speak English well enough that you can understand without subtitles. And then just it feels like when when shit gets real, then they start speaking in French. I mean, why? Well, you know, felt like Jen speaks English. And so they would speak English when they're talking to Jen. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of now I'm trying to remember. No, the, the men spoke French to each other. Did, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> with apple, weird candy. Oh, Can yeah. I just say no, the apple? I no the apple. We have to yeah. stop. So <laughs> talk about the apple tub. I, I, I feel I feel uh, somewhat similar similarly conflicted about this movie. This movie is not really to my taste as a movie. Uh, um, while I can appreciate a lot of what the what it's trying to do stylistically and narratively, I do for me for my taste the so when the when the so let me just, let me back up. Jen and Richard are having their as you say, consensual sexual activity. it feels like their weekend away. We don't know these guys are showing up until boom, the other guys show up with their hunting gear and everything. Mm-hmm. And she's t- taking a bite of an apple, like literally as the jump scare happens when they show up. And then that apple then sits on the table and rots and bugs start crawling over it as the weekend rots away. Yep. Right. <laughs> so many there, bugs. There are there, the, the visual metaphors in the movie are so um, on the nose? blatant. Yeah, yeah, which I recognize is a stylistic choice, but it got a little tiresome to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was on the French nose. I felt a little bludgeoned by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's I must, appropriate I must for admit. this film. Yes, true, true. Yes, yes. That that and is so true. Then that maybe is that's part of it. Like I don't want to. I don't want to speak for Carol Lee, but maybe you should feel bludgeoned. Yes. No. I. You that's know, what I'm saying. You're, I, but it, you're at a different perspective. Is, which is why I say it's not a it is not a, it's a taste thing, I think. I mean, I, I'm not I, it was clear that they're going for that, that mm-hmm. it's, yep. it's this is they're not hiding it. I mean, it, later on in the film, they're going to cut to stock footage of animals of different kinds like this is mm-hmm. they're not hiding that aspect of it. Uh, I, so now to pair that really, really briefly, um, one thing I the, technically that I did really like about this movie was the sound design. I think that the mm-hmm. way that the sound works in this movie, both especially when it gets subjective to Jen's experience, there are times when we only hear what she's hearing 
um, or the sounds are muffled or things are hallucinogenic, but also when things are, are just creepy or there's that also that sort of uh, thing the French are so often so good at, that kind of creeping dread mm-hmm. uh, while sort of otherwise mundane things are kind of happening. The sound design in this movie, I think, uh, is, is, is quite good. I love the soundtrack to this. I love the score to this. I love, you know, the like what you're saying when you're in her head, like when she's being drowned and it gets all muffled and, you know, audible, like messed up audibly like that is cool. When she's tripping on peyote and like we hear this like classical music coming out of nowhere and you're like, we're, like it's so jarring, but it's so effective, I think. Absolutely. I, I sensed the dread and the tension and the, and the very, um, I think you're right to when, um, the sound design helps us shift, um, from one, not only perspective, but just kind of attitude to another. I mean, it, in that first night, it's all fun and games. And then in the mm-hmm, morning, mm-hmm. it's just starkly different and immediately, mm-hmm. immediately tense. And, um, yeah. I and I don't want to belabor, you know, my perspective or, or what what I do and how that in in how that interferes maybe with me watching this movie. But um, from that moment when she you know, she wakes up and she goes out and stands there and his his attitude feels different mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. But she's saying, I think Richard's going to be back soon, and she's already. That that was a clear red flag to me that she was feeling like something was different. And so yeah. I immediately go to the place where I hear the story later and someone comes and says, you know, this happened and, and like I should have done this or I should have done that. And like anything you did to stay, you know, to survive is the right thing to do. Right. From from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I started to think about what this what a Jen who would come in and talk to me as a survivor would say of like, well, then he was gone and I didn't know. And I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't have taken a shower or I shouldn't have let him into my room or any of those things um, that it's just, well, you know, this shouldn't have happened to you. That's the only shouldn't right. in the, in the, in the picture. Yeah. Um, right. And his, and I, I don't want to again, spend too long on it, but, but, you know, he comes into the bedroom and and while she's changing and it's just so awful. Yep. That mm-hmm. whole conversation is so awful, but so true. I cannot mm-hmm. cannot express how true that felt that mm-hmm. his the, his ego and his entitlement and his insecurity and all that yeah. coming out in that conversation that then um, pers- lead, you know, is the is the conversation right before the assault. And it's just quietly grotesque and so true and terrifying the, and terrifying we are we are at this moment in the movie so uh in her so in her perspective there's you know you can i don't know i could feel in that moment the how i don't know how to say it the inevitability of what mm-hmm. he was going to at least try to do. I mean, I knew, I knew what was going to happen in the movie too, but I think in that moment you feel the, this, all of these things that you're describing about his ego and his insecurity feels like justification. Like he's justifying yes, what he's going to do. Absolutely. Right. And, and, and it's, and it's, it's terrifying to sit through. What did you think about the way that they actually then uh, handled the assault itself visually? I wrote down at 2110, this is where the movie could have ended if chubby had done the right thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. And obviously we mm-hmm. know, and we learn later that he is as terrible or worse. Mm-hmm. 
Right. I right. feel like his true character comes out when in his final scene, if you will, because mm-hmm. he's very quiet until then. Like you don't hear him talk until he's very much until he's violently engaged with her later. Right. Um, so at first I, you know, it was that, you know, broken windows kind of thing. If, if everyone just walks away, then terrible things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I guess I want to say I was impressed that it was, um, graphic and yet not graphic at the same time mm-hmm. i've mm-hmm. seen um ones that are much worse in terms of their either ob- objectifying and or s- sort of sexualizing which is mm-hmm. a weird way to say that but um this act that is um about power and dominance and so i the the way that the sound again was from behind you were we were outside mm-hmm. And the right. sound was inside. And then the the way they used the glass and the reflection, I thought was um, tragically poignant. And and also, I, I think, a, a parable. That's not the word I could find, but that's, a, I mean, that's the word I found, but it's not the one I wanted. Um, to how we engage with this topic in the world. Like, we're all just in a swimming pool. Right. And right. we know what's going on, but we can't quite hear it. So we don't really you know, engage with it. Um, and right. it, it continues to happen. So what does the press say about it? What's the conversation there? The conversation has to do with very much what you're saying, pointing out that we, in this movie that is so graphic about so much of the mm-hmm. violence in the movie, that this is the act that we are removed from mm-hmm. uh, visually, that, that because we stick with Dimitri and, and he turns around and walks out of the room, we stay with him all the way out to the pool and this, and, and that, that, that is um, it just the movie's way of uh, finding a new and a new and effective way of dealing with this scene in this kind of movie, this kind of, this kind of movie, a rape revenge horror thriller has to have this scene to mm-hmm. justify itself. We could talk about whether or not we need another movie where sexual assault is the instigator of the end of the plot. Like, right. I don't know that we do need one, but if you're going to have one, mm-hmm. finding ways to, to comment on it in, in different ways, finding new ways to comment on it is a useful thing. And, and people have praised and she talked a lot about thinking uh, thinking a lot about how to shoot this scene in a way that it, how can you shoot this scene where it is clearly about power not about eroticism or mm-hmm. sexuality that, that 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 ends up being her sort of playbook and i thought she did that pretty effectively joy what did you think i think she does a really good job of getting here and she obviously you know eroticizes or fetishizes jen for much of the first 20 minutes of the movie or whatever. So like we, I mean, just from the first shot, we know that she's beautiful the way that she's showing reaction shots to the guys. Like we know that they're all like lusting for her or in love with her on some level. And mm-hmm. I don't think that we need to see it in that scene that like, it's not about sex. It's about power. It's about, you know, he feels slighted. Like he feels that he, you know, that last night she was dancing on him and that, you know, maybe if Richard had gone to bed, maybe something would have happened last night because she was so playful last mm-hmm. night. And like, why isn't it happening now or whatever? And he feels mm-hmm. just so entitled to it. So it's not about like, obviously, she's beautiful. But in that moment, I think it just could be any woman. It's just like you scorned me mm-hmm. last night. I need what I feel I am owed, which obviously is not the case. But, you know, in his garbage monster mind is the case. Um, right, right. But like it's. It's because it's not about 
pleasure or sexuality or what she looks mm-hmm. like. It's just like, I am owed this by you, by the universe, by whatever, and I'm going to take it. And, you know, just his like casual dismissal of Chubby, just like, can't you see we're busy here? Like, you right. see, you see I mean, what's going on. Like, just get out of here. Let me have my moment. And you could easily pick that up and put it in um, a high school or college party. Or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. that was a familiar this bystander issue was familiar. I did put in my notes that reminds me when you described it, um, Joey, and just out of the, the rules and regulations that I deal with um, consent to one form of activity is not consent to another. So yeah, Mm -hmm. she can rub up on you all she wants. And you, and if, you know, and he he can rub up on her all he wants and the (laughs) next day or the next time you're together, that doesn't mean anything. Anything. Yeah, <laughs> it right. meant that last night we were all having fun and we were all, you know, consensually engaging in what we were, which was, you know, playful dancing or whatever. Um, but yes, it bothers me when um, people are confused about consent. And, there, and that's also like, I mean, a lot of this movie is just doubling down on what's already been established because that's exactly what this is. And I, I love it for that because I, I might have talked, I don't know, I don't think I've talked about it on Wonder Woman on this podcast, but like another podcast that we've done that I've done. You know, my wheelhouse for a movie is a movie that looks great, which this does. Can I get dings? Can you can you ding when I when I talk? Do it sure. So I want a movie that looks great, that has uh, ideally you know a kick-ass female lead. Um, that's super super violent and gory, and that's something that feels familiar, but it's also like a complete reversal on what you're expecting. And so when I had all these things in my head, I was like, oh, this is exactly what I want. And so, yeah, this yeah. is like, this is down the line for you. Yes. And I, I mean, so there was press when Raw came out, which Raw is about a girl who goes to veterinary school and she's a vegetarian and things happen where she sort of has to question her life decisions. I don't want to get into it further than that because I love it. And hopefully once you have forgotten this movie on some level, I will convince you to watch raw. Maybe, maybe, maybe if you could see my face right now, <laughs> I can visualize it. it it's, also, I remember, also French. it's also yeah. French. I remember reading a paragraph about that film. So we'll, we might, we might get there. We are not there today. Yes. Well, so, so the reason I bring it up is because when raw was in festivals, there were reports of people passing out in theaters. There were reports of people like walking out. Like they were just so woozy from how graphic it was. And I was like, oh, I need to see this movie. And I loved it. So then when I saw this at Fantastic Fest, <laughs> it was in two theaters. And in the middle of the movie, the movie stopped. And we were like, what? And I'm like, sorry, we have a you know problem, whatever. We'll be we'll be right back with you. We found out later that someone in the other theater had apparently passed out from this movie. But what was wonderful about the, the the time we had in the middle was that I was able to turn to my friends in the theater and be like, wait, this movie rules, right? Like, this is like, because it was one of those where I'm like, I don't Never. know if I'm imagining <laughs> how good it is or if like it's exactly what I want. And they're like, oh, no, this is great. And I was like, OK, good. And then it was like this sort of like, you know, pit stop, you know, checkpoint, like, oh, no, we're all on the same page. We love this. And then it's like, that was like the back half where it gets even like, crazier. And I was like, yes, exactly what I want. Interesting. So it's really, it's your, she's the man. Which, yes, which we are going <laughs> to cover it's not, in. It's not my favorite movie. On Magic Mike's, I think either, not next month, but maybe in July. Oh, I think yes. we're getting to it very, very soon. So I'm excited I do for that. I love it. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. um, 
I don't know how much uh, plot stuff we want to get into, but there's, you know, uh, the assault and then Richard comes back and wants to pay her off. So that's the, to me, like there, I mean, not to me, it just is. That's kind of the first turn where we see, we start to see who Richard really is. Yeah. Right. Because right. He was that he was like you say, Joey established as our, our yep. knight in shining armor. And then he comes back and she says, where's the helicopter? I want the helicopter. And, and he wants to pay her and wants to um, push it under the rug and S- send her to Canada. Yes. Right. To be, to go, go be a movie star there. Right. Um, just send instead, her instead of LA, it's basically LA. Yeah. 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 Um, and that leads to them all three literally chasing yep. her, which is the, I think the beginning of the hunt. And when mm-hmm. um, he pretends to call for the helicopter and then pushes her off a cliff, basically mm-hmm. to all of those who haven't seen the movie, to those who have, you've seen it to those who haven't, you shouldn't watch it. What? Um, <laughs> and I'm, I knew I, I knew there was a dream in it somewhere. Yep. So I wrote in my notes like, wait a second, is yeah. this the dream? Yeah. Because she falls off of him and is immediately impaled. Again, very French. A lot of the on the on the French nose um, metaphors there. She is penetrated mm-hmm. by something else. Yep. And I thought immediately, yeah, this is a dream. Oh, then I also wrote very large in my notes, all caps, so gross. <laughs> I don't think, Joey, I don't think at a film festival we would be in the same theater ever. Oh, no. Well, you wouldn't be at this film festival at all. I can tell you. Like, well, maybe it's sort of changing. But the film festival, Fantastic Fest, was based in horror and over-the-top, like, extreme movies. It sort of branched out into more just sort of weird off the beaten path with like really good movies. It's also sure. sci-fi and fantasy, but I feel like just based on your reaction to aliens and now also this movie, like I don't think you would be going <laughs> to fantastic fest in the first place. There are is movies. That, I'm sure like there are movies the that Elijah are Wood one? Is Elijah yes, Wood one. There yes. you go. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I'd go, but separately. Oh, I've, seen from, him in, I've seen him in person so many times. He's so little. Yeah, I was going to say he's so tiny separately from object, objectifying Elijah Wood, yep. who I find very attractive for the record. Um, His very blue eyes, even in person. No, now I'm just getting lost in the blue eyes thoughts. <laughs> um, I mean, I have, I got no problem with, I just want to go back to aliens because I still feel jeez. <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> I don't have any problem with space. I got problem with James Cameron <laughs> in space. So anyway, I apologize. They are literally hunting her. Mm-hmm. I said, this, this movie is great. Sexual violence and sport hunting. My favorite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I did, that, like, I yeah, think you need ahead. all that because doesn't that does that make or maybe not? Like, I want to get your opinion. Like, does, does that make the back half of this more satisfying for you? Because they're no? hunters and they lose. Because they're they're even more like does making them more despicable <laughs> make their comeuppance more satisfying to you? Not to me, and here's why: because okay. at the end of the day. They're just dudes. So I don't need them to be despicable to find what they're doing to her despicable. And I, and I'm not, I'm not saying that they, uh, I don't mean that in any sort of disrespect to you. Like, because most, most, or I don't know, uh, a good amount of the time, it's just regular dudes who are doing, these terrible things. So I don't need them to be despicable for any other reason than how they're treating her. 
They are they're- to me because they're also sport hunting and et cetera, et cetera. But so for my satisfaction, yeah. I guess no, but I, I get that. I don't okay. know. What yeah. do you think, Toen? Do you, I, are you weighing in on this? I think the movie needs it. I, th- I think you're oh, right. Good point. Though. Good point. I, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I think that if you, again, if you're going to tell this story, this is the, this is a smart way to go because what you're doing with, as, just to echo what you're saying as an, in terms of them being hunters, you're physicalizing all that stuff, all the mm-hmm. worst impulses, impulses, not quite the right word. What's word do I want to use? All the, all the worst tendencies that the, this sort of, toxic man has is that the right way to mm-hmm. is that the right way to say that get get physicalized in the way that so you make them hunters you make them you you bring their insecurities all the way to the surface you know that that all mm-hmm. which, which i think maybe gets you to some of the overheated imagery of the food eat, close-ups on mouths eating food and the uh, all of the the that sort of stuff as you're sort of surfacing that so i guess for the movie it does but although i think you make a really good point i hadn't quite thought about it in that way that it's in in real life they don't need anything else to be you know monsters right. like they, they're yeah no they're i agree monstrous. i see it as as the movie needs it i also um the food and the things you just mentioned with the um straight line drawn metaphors. <laughs> uh, I saw then, so she's impaled and then magic and she gets herself off. I mean, you know, she's yeah. now crawling magic and she's crawling through the desert to get out of their line of sight. Um, and so I said, can her crawling through the sand then be a metaphor for the process that a survivor has to go through? Mm hmm. Interesting. And even just getting herself off of the the tree she's been impaled by, but just that every, I mean, crawling for every grain of sand to get to a place that feels safe, to me was an immediate like, oh, that's a metaphor for whether you're, whether you choose to go um, a route that involves law enforcement or, or not. I mean, even without that, just the, the process of, of getting to a place that is safe emotionally, mentally, and all that felt so that that straightforward metaphor I liked a lot. Um, and then immediately I have toxic masculinity from um, Richard towards Stan. So mm. like the minute that Jen is out of the way and he doesn't have her to be mm. dominant over and mm. and and his, you know, like like you said, Joey, his eye candy and all that, yeah. then he immediately turns turns on Stan and it's and and he's the man and Stan is less than. Which you know, may have led to Stan's decision to harm someone else doesn't mean that's okay. Doesn't excuse it, but you see the, um, the toxic, uh, attitudes between the, all of them, but the two of them particularly. And then they're literally hunting her. It was at the point where she's pulling herself off the tree where I wrote in my notes in all caps. So fucking gross. Like (laughs) whatever whatever the movie has decided not to be graphic with, after the movie has decided in a smart way, I think not to be visually graphic with the assault itself. Yeah. We are now mm-hmm. treated to all of that yeah. and more where it goes, as she said it in that uh, interview with Jezebel, where she goes beyond realism. She's not interested in realism. And, yeah. and the, cause the other thing is sometimes people who are 
criticizing this movie uh, are criticizing in, in terms of, well, this could never happen. Well, that could never happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, and do, this wound wouldn't do this. And that kind of uh, you know, shotgun wouldn't shoot that way. And like, yeah, that's all true. But you can do that to any movie. And this movie is clearly making mm-hmm. some deliberate choices about yep. that stuff here yes. in favor of the kind of visual metaphors that Eisen that you're talking about. And, and yeah, it becomes, like I said, fantastical from her perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and their bullshit is so, so real. And what I like about her landing on the tree and you saying so fucking gross is that if you had to name like the, the three most disgusting things about this movie, that probably wouldn't even break the top three. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. We're just getting started here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I love so, it. So, so Chubby is the first to die. She's He's the first one she finds before nightfall, like that same day. Like So she's walking around still impaled i mean crawling around and i'm not i'm not trying to make light i'm just trying to yeah. move forward one piece <laughs> um, of the, one piece of the tree is sticking out of her abdomen in a very sort of yes. phallic in a, in a yes. phallic imagery right yeah and then the other that just reminds me of the imdb where they're like she's scantily clad for most of it it's like fuck you she was impaled by a tree yeah. like yeah. she's gonna run by the gap and word. grab a <laughs> grab a oh sweatshirt God. on the way by but yeah, yeah too much too much midriff? Like, I have had enough of you all. Um, I mean, even so though, even that, though she was that, scantily clad, she did have on some very sensible mm-hmm. athletic wear, though, to accommodate her through her desert journey. Well, I mean, honestly, for me, it was as, so as she was um, had whatever uh, choices she had made for undergarments pre-assault and then post-assault, they were very different. Yeah. Right, right. And then that's what she had. So that, that was the origin of that for me was again that sort of safety and yeah, that's, so smart. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so smart yeah. yeah i hadn't thought about that that's because they're because you get the, that's uh, why i'm here on this podcast <laughs> that's why yeah, i'm so I glad you watched this movie because now i like it even more i oh, good. i'm so glad i had questions about the because early on we get the uh, two or three tracking shots behind her butt as she's walking in the mm-hmm. pre, yep. like before she before the assault yep. walking with her either mm-hmm. sort of bikini bottom swimsuit yeah, or her underwear her on the, yeah her, right? i wrote that down and too I, and i had this question like what does it mean in this like how do i read this knowing that a woman directed it and does should that make a difference i had all these kind of questions but this now you're right kind of it puts that in a different kind of perspective in, in an interesting way Island. now that you point that out that's very smart thank you well thank i you. so so i'm on a, a film site where i keep up with a lot of recent releases and this one came up and i was like i was posing there i was just like this is amazing you guys have to see this whatever whatever and somebody wrote i only watched the first 15 minutes but it feels like every other kind of you know male directed uh nonsense aggro he's like what am i missing i'm like well you missed like the entire the rest version of the movie, of that. movie. <laughs> like like you i think you sort of need all that because like i i don't, I don't want to throw michael Bay under the bus because i do genuinely love a handful of his movies but like i think that she's doing that kind of aggro you know yes. hyper sexualization that also is in the fast and furious movies although in those movies defense i think they sort of sexualize everybody women especially but also the men too but I think they're like, hey, like they're trying to lull you in. Like, I think that there's a Mm -hmm. certain kind of like casual person that if you don't know what this is about and you sort of like see the beginning, you're like, oh, my God, this girl is beautiful. She's almost always naked. Like, let me watch this. Then all of a sudden, like maybe this like wakes up your brain to be like, oh, no, like I'm a disgusting pig monster. Uh, I shouldn't treat women like this. Like maybe maybe if that helps helps (laughs) to one person, this was you know what I mean? Like, but I feel like you need that 15 or 20 minutes of just like 
I mean, maybe you don't need it as much, but like just like the straight upskirt shots, like for for twenty minutes of the movie, yeah. Because then, then it's like you know, if you have the insight to say, well, she changes the way that she dresses and behaves and acts and walks and moves and whatever, like you know, um, it it really is a full reversal of what she set up really well in the beginning. Absolutely, and I, I had it written down like you did, Tobin, uh, about the the way it was shot, and I. I'm interested in Joey, what you have to think. Cause I don't know if two things are true at the same time or if there's one path or another. So mm. I like your path and I agree that it's set up in a conventional male gaze, yep. agro upskirt way. The other way that I conceptualize all that was that it's, that's hers. That's, you know, it's, it's her, you know, crotchal area. It's, it's her power. In a newer, new school feminist sort of power the pussy way, mm-hmm. that like that's that's her literal center, and so the kind of that's what we're following. Okay, and that's you know where the where the power comes from, where the venge vengefulness comes from. Also, there's an assault, but so I don't know if they both can be true because they're sort of two different ways. But I I wondered that because I also wrote like, gosh, there's just a lot of tiny skirt in the beginning um so i don't know what i think is kind of interesting doesn't really answer your question specifically but what i found interesting about like the marketing of this movie is that like every poster and every trailer you see it's jen like bloodied and dirty and Mm -hmm. obviously matilda lutz is still gorgeous but she's not like this like pinup model like she is in the beginning i don't think i remembered i mean i I don't watch trailers i don't know what the trailer for this looks like but i feel like everything you saw it's like the the after effect. So I feel like it even mm-hmm. makes the, if I give you know anything about this movie going in, you sort of know where she gets to. And I think it sort of makes this beginning even more of a stark contrast in a way, you know, mm-hmm. it's interesting. It could be also a metaphor for the way her experience of this trip has gone in terms of bait and switch, you know, like the, if the viewer, mm-hmm. if there are viewers who are, who think they're in for just for the eye candy in the first half of the movie uh, sort of a uh, sort of um, uh, mirroring things they've seen before. And then that gets subverted in the way that her experiences, you, you know, that the, the rugs pull out from under her. Um, I don't know. I'm right. not sure you could take that very far, but there's something, there's something I think maybe that, that that's playing into there. I, I like the, um, your point, Joey, that in the trailer or the, with a promotion that you've seen, it's all the, the bloody yeah. dirty, like she's come out of the desert, yeah. like a, you know. Um, and so the first time that I saw that, you know, because I'd seen, at least in the little teaser you had, you had put on Twitter, I'd seen where we were going. And so now having seen the beginning, um, as after she kills Chubby, um, I put that I love the shot. She's on the four-wheeler and it's dim, dim light, but the her earring mm. that she was wearing at the beginning Mm-hmm. in the chopper with the lollipop and that is still glinting and whatever light there is. Yep. And I was like, okay, now, now, now it's happening. Let's <laughs> let the transformation begin. Um, Cause we really do like, I, I guess Dimitri is his name, like his anger. Obviously they're, they're in the fisticuffs. Dimitri is chubby. <laughs> chubby. Yeah. His, yeah. Okay. his anger in that water. I mean, the, I don't know. It was just, I found him suddenly disturbing in a whole new way. Mm-hmm. And I felt like he earned his gruesome death. 
Now, I did not at that point know how much more I was going to get into. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, this graphic stabbed in the eye. Like, gross. Uh, um, I had no idea that was my <laughs> amuse-bouche to what was coming, but, um, but I, felt, I felt like he, he earned that death. He definitely did. And they're like all three of them are complicit in what happened in one way or another. But the move like the way that she kills them, the order in which she kills them is the only way that it could have been because it's the guy who didn't He failed to to kill her, didn't assault her. He just he still was obviously very much in the wrong, but he in his mind, did nothing. You know what I mean? So he was sort of the the least guilty of the three very guilty men. And then you have the, mm-hmm. the guy who did the assault, and then, like, you have the boss battle, like, Richards. So I think it goes from there. And, like, each of the three just gets bloodier and bloodier, and it just, it, oh, man, just makes me so happy. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. I didn't see the circles of it in that way, of, of getting, I mean, I think you knew that Richard was going to be the last one because yeah. it was his mm-hmm. house. But like, I, I, I like the way that you've thought that through. I also, you know, to me, he turned a blind eye and then he was stabbed in the right. eye. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I love that. That was, that was nice. Um, and then she drinks his beer, which yeah, that was the only smiley face this movie got. For oh, me. so <laughs> the beer, the beer leads to the coolest thing in the entire movie. I think it, it does. But before that, I just want to say super quick. Because, yes, we will get to the all caps of (laughs) self-surgery. But I so loved – she's in the cave. So she's in a cave. Now she's gone on the four-wheeler. She's in a cave. She's, you know, secluded and and it's nighttime and we're regrouping. And then she breaks down and very sincerely is crying over her wound. Um, I mean the physical wound, Mm -hmm. although the other things too. But I think for me that – proved to me because i was still trying to prove something from the the trolls from that teaser that it's not just a a fantastical horror movie that it is a true like survival survivor story was that that moment that was to me so raw Mm -hmm. and real and i appreciated and then after that the beer can (laughs) becomes very important well so 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 walk us through that my friend well, so in a, just before we get there, like in a grounded reality version of this, when she's finally in the cave and not really safe, but kind of safe or at least safer, Sheltered. that's probably yeah. yeah, that's probably when her adrenaline like wears out, right? Like she finally mm-hmm. feels the full damage of her body. Like she's right? not running for her life; she's still you know defending herself, and she's still in a battle for her life. But she's finally not actively being pursued to the point where she has to like keep up her guard. And I think that's when. You know, she breaks down and just needs to get by, whatever. But so early in the movie, uh, when they first drop, when they first get dropped off by the helicopter, the helicopter pilot, the helicopter pilot uh, gives them peyote because he's like, you know, you're out here, just have some fun, whatever. And then when they're sort of digging around with the guns and whatever, Richard is like, this plus guns is a bad idea. Jen, do something with this. And so she puts in the little heart, knock, heart, heart locket necklace that she wears. And so then when she's in the cave and we know that she has to get the stick out and we know she's trying to like heal herself up. She drinks the beer. That's not going to be enough. But then she takes the peyote and gets transported into this magical realm where she doesn't feel pain anymore and is able to knife the stick out of her stomach (laughs) in a very, very 
detailed, <laughs> gruesome Very sequence. detailed. But then also heat up the beer Potterize can. the room, the wound. <laughs> and brand herself with this eagle, like this American eagle beer can, which is just the most badass thing I think I've ever seen. Like, I was like, yes. Like, I realized that I think like a half second before, like, other people and i was just like oh this is yes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was the best yeah i mean the best and the worst if you will it was disgusting and i do i mean if there is a short list of things that i do like do not want in my life <laughs> self-surgery is one of them like sure. watching people and 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 cauterization of things that's a it's a trope if you will i mean we've seen it before it proves, um, you know, survival skills. And in some cases I think proves masculinity in movies. Um, and so here again, the, the script is flipped. I know it's an Eagle. I know it is, but when I saw it happen, I saw it as a Phoenix. I love it. Oh, that's good. Cause there's fire mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's wings and I love a good Phoenix. Yeah. I love the fact that she was, she was appropriating this, traditionally masculine imagery of the, of the, like of the beer can, right? Like it's not just, yeah. she's not just consumed the beer, but she's then, you know, if the guy's going to get a beer gut, she is going to get this on her guts, mm-hmm. you know, like she's the ultimate. Right? Beer gut. Yeah. 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 I, I, I again, I, I'm some of this over the top imagery. I do think works really, really well. Maybe I was just getting used to it in the first part of the movie. And by this point, I'm like, I'm I'm with you, Aislinn. I'm this is so gross, and I'm kind of going to squint my eyes, and I'm going to look away a little bit as that knife keeps plunging into that flesh. But I'm mm-hmm. but I'm with, I'm here for what the movies. <laughs> I'm here for what the movies say. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was. I would. Uh, I mean, profound. I don't know if that's the right word, but like that. Clearly, that is the moment when she becomes this avenging angel, as Tobin said in his in his summary. Meanwhile, Stan is peeing on bugs. <laughs> yeah. Again, their stupid dominance and like I'm a I'm a dude. I'm gonna kill this bug and bugs because it's French. <laughs> bugs, they just, it's just everywhere. When Aizen was in high school, I took her to this movie <laughs> called Microcosmos, which is a which is a documentary about bugs. But they, there's no talking. It's just shots of bugs with these little teeny tiny cameras, so the bugs look huge and they're doing kind of like not quite human things, but they're doing very like, like there's, I think there's a snail mating scene in it to set to opera. Oh, like it is a, it's very long. It is a weird, <laughs> it is a weird ass movie. And I took her to so that like movie. like playing of bugs. Yes. But, but, but longer takes. And, oh, wow. uh, and, it and sounds uh, she's insufferable. She has never, it just came out on Blu-ray not too long ago last year. Uh, I don't own it. I won't get it, but she will, she, that's, this is why she has uh, bugs on the brain when it comes to the French. Did I ever tell you that I tried to discuss that film with my middle school science teacher? No, no. Did not go well. Did not know what the fuck I was talking about. But <laughs> he, he generally didn't. Speaking of toxic masculinity, <laughs> let's move forward. Um, <laughs> Well, so we're we're still in the cave, and she's still tripping right. on peyote, and we see so her tripping. die two or three times, get her head literally blown apart to smithereens by shotgun blasts, like close-fire shotgun blasts, to have her only wake up screaming. And also, I know I kept thinking, is this the last time she's going to wake up screaming? But that's when we get the some of the animals to what I was talking about, and like the lizards, and, and it, you know, I get... 
I roll my eyes a lot when people say lizard brain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, in this case, it's, it's true. We've seen whatever that thing is, that instinct is in, you know, come out in various unsavory ways. Um, but yeah, her head explodes several times before yep. she wakes up and then she wakes up and then she suits up and she gets ready to get, get out there. And I put inappropriate Halloween costume because <laughs> it would be. So but Joey, don't go with cool. It would be. I know. I just, I'm just imagining the Halloween party that you show up to when there's someone dressed like that. Also, <laughs> Joey, Joey should go dressed like that. No, I can't, I can't pull that off. Joey dresses like that. Um, That's a fun costume if you want to explain to everyone you meet that night who you are, and because yeah. nobody's seen this movie, right? Mm-hmm. And it, you know, there would be depending on who was wearing it and and how it went. It, it, I think it could be done well. And I think it could be done terribly. Sure. Um, but so she suits up, and then and then there's this shift that she is hunting as well, mm-hmm. right? But, right. But I don't know that she was hunting Chubby so much right. as protecting still herself. trying. Yeah, protecting yourself and trying to survive and trying to gather um, supplies. I think what's interesting is that earlier in the movie, when they have pushed her over the cliff and they're like, we're going to go hunting. But before we do, we're going to go clean up our mess or whatever term they use. And they sort of have in the stereotypical action movie, they have like a gearing up montage where they're like loading their shotguns, and like gathering their guns and like doing man stuff. Mm-hmm. And then even though they're not the, they're very clearly not the protagonist. We also don't realize at that moment. I don't think that she's still alive. And I remember when I saw that, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know what this movie's going to be. Cause like I've seen, <laughs> I've seen pictures of her where, you know, she's not dead, but like, I didn't know where it could go. And so you're like, maybe they are the protagonist now. Like this, like a weird reversal there, like who knows, but so they have their gearing up montage there, but then here she has hers. And like, again, like it's sort of like whoever has the upper hand. Cause you're right. Like, now she is, she's firmly in the power position because they have the, the two guys have now found chubby's body they know that she has killed him in a very violent gruesome way and that she's even though they don't want to admit it really she's like a force to be reckoned with yeah and i think in some cases like the audience isn't ready right yeah. right good. They're clearly from those from those reviews um <laughs> I, I just have notes and notes because now at this point richard and stan are together and and just can't um, you know, Richard is mad, upset that Stan has the air conditioning on. Um, Richard wants to split up. Stan wants to stay together. Um, and then I have Stan wants to stay together and is ridiculous written down. But, um, the, you know, this is the point at which absolutely Stan's insecurity, which we've seen before, but is just so blatant now. And then this is when he was, I was strangely momentarily sympathizing with him because he's being bullied and is the um uh yeah recipient um but on the of of the toxic masculinity from richard which he also has it's not like he's you know as we've seen he's he suffers from that affliction as well but all of that contributes to his the way that he reacted to jen i think it also is, a, I think, one of the reasons one feels or the way, reason I felt sympathy is not quite the right word. But I, you know, mm-hmm. when you're presented with how awful Richard is and 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 if nothing else, Stan is, a, is, is in this moment or these moments a little bit more a voice of reason. Like he's 
eventually I mean, yeah voice of reason isn't quite the right word but do you know what i mean like he's he's the only one occasionally suggesting maybe we should just like go call somebody or you know like right. let's, let's not keep seeing this through because this is getting terrible and richard's like i'm gonna <laughs> see this through to the hilt literally you know like this is right richard richard is there to hunt and it's like well fuck if yeah. i can't hunt something if you know if right. she's out there we better hunt her first right like if i'm not gonna just... hunt her i'm gonna hunt you is his implication yeah, to stan exactly it's clear that everything is a possession to him and part of a game to him versus versus humanity. I love um, in the the beginning of the confrontation with Stan and Jen that he screams off camera. Uh, uh. And, it, and it, to me, it echoed the way that she, we heard her screams mm-hmm. Ooh, earlier. That's great. And I appreciated that, not to mention the vagina foot wound. Yes. Yes. That he, that's probably the, the 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 most gruesome thing in the whole movie, where he's fishing out the piece of glass for forty five seconds, maybe. He digs way inside his foot to get that glass out, and you think he gets it out, and then he's like, "Nope, got to go in deeper to get that glass out." It's just whoo. Um, what I like about Stan's character before we get to his death is he. I think from the time that Richard kills Jen. He's obviously still a monster, but he's less of a monster than Richard. I think it's the film's way of setting Richard up as the big bad, Mm -hmm. that there is a way that you're like, oh, well, Stan's the one who raped her. He should be the last one to go. Mm -hmm. But as soon as Richard thinks he kills her, you know, Stan's like, well, what about Jen? And Richard's like, who, I don't know who you're talking about. Like, I've never heard of her. And like, it's, it's Mm -hmm. in that moment where like, oh no, he's the real monster. And like, I don't know if it's to break up the continual gruesomeness of this movie or just give you a breather or to like humanize him a bit or whatever. But there are the moments where like where he's in the car and the, the, he turns the car on because he's cold because, you know, they're, they're out hunting a woman who he just raped and tried to kill, but he's like a little bit chilly. So he's got to put the car on and then he's like buckle himself in. And mm-hmm. then like the next morning he's listening to that like pop song. And like, there's these little moments where you like, you, you kind of laugh and you're like, Oh, but like, you're not really, I don't know to what end they're in there. I appreciate those moments, if only to break up the like continual horror show of this movie. Sure. But I don't know if we like we definitely don't need him humanized because this movie has no it, it is not at all trying to paint these people as three-dimensional characters. Like they are all hyper exaggerations of things all really based in reality, which makes it even scarier. But they're not trying to say like, oh, like, look at this guy. Like, don't you feel like he's not really that bad? Of a, like, I don't know why it's there. I, but I, I kind of appreciate that. Iceland has thoughts. <laughs> Go Iceland podcasts. I, I, I agree and I disagree. I think that the, um, the humanization part of him does demonstrate that humans do this to each other, that they don't, mm. it's not all someone isn't, I mean, while, Yes, someone who does this is a monster. They're not going to um, – that's not going to be their persona, right? They're going to they're gonna mm. be people in the world who do other things. And so that to me is, yes, of, co- of course rapists listen to pop music, and which is not to say anything about rapists or pop music. But like, yes, they go about their day and do the, the myriad other things that we all do. They just also assault people. Right. And so – I, again, I'm, I would ad, advocate that it's the fantastical part is from Jen's perspective and the douchebag humans around her are, are simply human. And that's, and so it's not, I don't know. It's not that they're not 
three-dimensional. It's that they, they are three-dimensional humans in that way. I, I also, um, yes, you know, the Richard turns and we know he is pure evil, although I just made the argument that they're all human. Um, <laughs> when he pushes Jen off a cliff and then, and then says Jen, who I don't know her, but for me, he became the, the last one, you know, to be killed when he doesn't immediately, like he is her safety. They have a relationship. They have an intimate relationship. And the yep. minute that he betrays her there back in the house before they, before she runs away, I mean, that's why she runs away. That for me is like, okay, he, he's the big bad because he was, he, you know, he, he was her, her safety and is not. I think, I think what's an interesting, I guess, in a sense, reversal is that he knows that Stan did something terrible and he is not, I mean, there's, I, I don't know what, I don't know what the, I don't know what his appropriate reaction should have been, but he thinks in his damaged brain that he's helping things like, look at this, look at this piece of paper. This is how much money I'm giving you. I'm going to get you a job in Canada. He's trying to like buy her silence essentially. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then it's like, you know, he has betrayed her, but it's when he feels that she betrays him. She's like, I'm going to tell your wife. Mm. And like in that moment, he slaps her. Like that's like the point where he's just like, oh, I'm going to kill her. Like, cause now she's threatening me and I can't be like, I'm the alpha here. And right. like, you can't look down on me. I'm like, I have to be in charge here. And it's like in that, like, you know, he obviously let her down and betrayed her, but it's when she does the reverse and like, he just has such a thin skin about it and just like, Oh, we're done here. Right. You're right. That, that is absolutely what escalates it to the, um, the point that he's willing to get rid of her in a very physical throwing her off a cliff way versus getting rid of her by sending her to Canada. Did anybody else think at this point in the movie nearing the end that somebody was going to get shot in the dick? <laughs> I had this note like somebody's going to get shot in the dick here, aren't they? Like I figured somebody was as she was approaching the final kill of Stan and then heading after Richard. Uh, and, and spoiler alert, nobody gets shot in the dick, uh, which, I, which I, I give it credit for. I sort of do, too. Again, this right, is that elevates it. <laughs> there's, there's something. That's, that's what a male director would do. Yes, because exactly. for them, right. That's right. the point. And that's not the fucking point. Like. I'm sorry, right. Right. but your dick not- has very little to do with it. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Right. See. Wow. What do we? What happens when you're literally reading my notes off my piece of paper? I don't know. <laughs> we're we're well, one. I'm, I'm, well, we're I'm, one I'm, mind I'm here. Glad that, I'm glad that you wrote it down. That your dick has very little to do with this, but that's what I walk around saying in my head. Yeah. No. I. So- I, I think. I think. It, I, I. Yeah. I think this movie plays that all really smartly in a way that that another movie. I have, I'm I'm doing a reversal on myself here. The um, another way the movie lays a smart trap is maybe through all of this on the nose imagery that then you have to reckon with the on the nose imagery it does not give you. Uh, right. At this being one of those things. Oh, God, this movie gets smarter the more I talk about it. And maybe that I mean that's probably why it's so satisfying for you, Joey. If they got shot in the dick, it would be like, oh, here's another. Survivor story turned into a dick joke. Like that's the you know. I yeah, mean, exactly. Right. Yes. 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 <sighs> I mean, I I feel like it, like I would appreciate that in movies. Like if that was in a crank movie. Like if that was in a you know Neville Dean and Taylor movie. Like I would love that because it would be eighty five minutes of that. But I feel like it wouldn't be genuine here in that everything here is over the top and is extremely graphic and is 
unrealistic, but it's also smart about it. And the other, the, the weird thing about seeing going like any film festival, as I'm sure Tobin's been to film festivals in the past, you watch so many movies in such a short amount of time that you're like, I don't know if any of these are actually good or I'm like sort of film drunk right now. And mm-hmm. yeah. I'm glad that like being able to talk to other people about it who aren't in that same mindset where you see like like I watched 38 movies in eight days or whatever you know what I mean like just like a crazy amount of movies but being able to watch it again after the fact and be able to talk to people who this is very clearly not for them and to hear you guys say well I'm not I'm not I don't I'm not going to see watch this again but I appreciate it and, and and like it for what it is like that 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 makes me feel better about my advocacy of this. I'm so glad. <laughs> I know. I'm. I'm just. I was so. I was so worried. I even sent Tobin a couple of texts. I'm like, I like when you started the movie. You're like, I, I don't want to watch this. And I was like, Tobin, I think tomorrow tomorrow might be rough. Like, I don't know if we're gonna get through this. But no. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know what. Um, that I, I, well, then good for me. But um, I don't absolutely did the is the graphic violence not my bag like that's where we differ in what we enjoy watching sure i have a Mm -hmm. hard time getting disturbing images out of my head and so i try to put as few of them in as possible um i also have a problem with often how um well one with how often sexual assault is part of anything in like a cavalier way and i knew that wasn't what this was but but still i was apprehensive and i just don't i just don't need any more i i know i know what this is and i you know i don't need more of it in in my head but in in this case i did go in i sort of said to myself well if you appreciate haywire for yeah. it being a woman kicking ass then you have yes. to give this it's fair shot. And so I did. And like I said, mm-hmm. there, I don't want to watch it again, but there are things I love about it. Uh, I don't, I mean, I'm fine skipping the rest of Stan's death, but the next thing I have relates back to our conversation or what we were saying about them being not just three dimensional, but like regular guys, but also doing terrible things. And just the nonchalant way that Richard calls that the helicopter pilot. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. As if, and, and obviously at this point he's trying to cover, right? That all this shit right. has gone wrong. But that to me, so that's a that's an extreme example. But that again to me is just so true that people um, who are predators mm-hmm. are charming and can and play off that oh no, you know nothing's wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. That's not how I remember. Like all these things, and so that was again an extreme example. But it was it was just like. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And it, and it also demonstrated how he wasn't at all concerned, even then, that she was going to get him, right? He's le- Yeah, he's level-headed enough, or he's, I don't know if it's an arrogance or yes, a confidence or what, but like, he does that <laughs> very calmly, it's takes humorous. a shower, like, okay, I, I need to become presentable for this helicopter pilot. Right. Because and I need to- With, like, with no like, fear that he's also being yes. hunted. He doesn't understand- and we're glad to be here to help him learn that he is prey now. He's in his mind. He's still a predator. I do have to say though, and I wrote in my notes, beautiful bathroom is a real shame. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Yeah. Right. Gorgeous, gorgeous bathroom. I don't really like the rest of the house, but the, but the, I love a, I love a good bathroom. People who know me know that. Um, 
And so, yeah, it's a real shame that there's, a, I mean, naked wandering with a gun. Uh, I, I loved the looking through the glass that mirrors the earlier shot when she's inside and yep. the men are outside and then naked yep. him with a gun, but naked him is inside and mm-hmm. warrior her is outside. That was, that was beautiful. And then I skimmed the next 10 minutes because it was so gross. Do y'all want to talk about when it was gross and it looked like a video game to me? Like it was a very, like the, when they're chasing each other through the, through the house, it felt very yeah. video gamey to me. So it's a lot of them, like the house is like a square essentially. And there's like four hallways that seem to connect mm-hmm. and it's just the two of them alive. And most of the scene, which probably is like, five or seven yeah. minutes is them slowly chasing each other and tr- like it's cat and mouse but you don't know who the cat is and who the mouse is and he's bleeding out badly because he's been shot in the gut and like ripped open uh and it's just like the room is getting bloodier and bloodier and by the end i mean the whole thing is like the whole room is red like it's just ev- like the whole house is red like it's just it's his blood everywhere and yes. it gets to the and there there are times as you say, we don't know um, uh, who's chasing who as they're going around and around and around in the circle and then slipping on the blood. Right. And, and and there's, you know, again, this imagery is so, so in your face. There's a, you know, I, um, that but I think that the the she is able to create a kind of fascinating amount of tension in this scene. Not just in terms of like who's going to live and who's going to die because they're both like they're both really wounded and we're pretty sure I'm pretty sure at this point, given the kind of movie this is, that she is going to vanquish him. So nevertheless, the amount of tension that that she's able to sort of get out of the sequence just through – you know, like you could watch this without the sound, which may be eyes on the way a way to do it. And and it would, I think I think it would retain all that power. Uh, it's it's you know it's and and again it's heightened. This is not realism. This is them going merry merry around like around and around and around. This house is not meant to be read realistically. I think it's meant to be read in this in this kind of heightened way. Although if you watched it without sound, you wouldn't get the amazing backdrop of shopclubusa.com <laughs> it's like that infomercial crazy <laughs> but also i think to me it was like him he's not worried he does not understand and that's a going back to reality and i'm sorry i'm such a downer i am the fun sucker like that's part of the whole thing is he's not he doesn't see himself as a predator he doesn't see himself as the problem He's cool. It's no big deal. He's going to move on with his life. These other people are just in the way. And so, yeah, let's put on the TV. Let's put on an infomercial. No worries. Um, you, you also get this, it did create a, a beautiful dissonance. You also get the sense that in the, the way she is presented to us in the first third of the movie – before the assault that she there there you know she wants to go to LA she wants to be an actress she wants to be a star i guess is what she says right like she wants to there's a materialism to her the way she's presented to us in this in that opening s- sequence that then is that's the farthest thing from her mind in the end here it's this is now we're down to sort of as the movie says revenge or at least survival in this last section of the movie and there is a nice counterpoint then to this basically infomercial going on in the background. And then I put everything sticky with blood. <laughs> like just thinking about sticky. several days of shooting this, like, holy crap. That's a yeah. lot. That's a lot of sticky. Yep. Everyone was sticky. 
That's why they had to have such a nice bathroom, a nice shower. To, to... <laughs> True story. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, the last two shots were just gorgeous. I love her standing at the end of the pool as mm-hmm. you hear the helicopter. I mean, that was, and I, I had thought that might be how it ended. And then, and then you get a beautiful, gruesome close up of her. Yeah. But just your, I mean, so, it, so I love that it ends the way it starts, except for the experience she's had. Yeah. Right. Cause she was right. in the helicopter. I mean, it was a beautiful sunset with the helicopter. Like it, you know, it's the world has come around, you know, again, another day. And an, another way that the movie avoids some more obvious imagery at the end uh, that I think uh, Iceland, you've opened my eyes to this reading of the movie that that continues to mirror her as a survivor is the she doesn't get in the shower like she doesn't get in the pool and come out like he she doesn't do what he had done, which was like cleaning himself up for the right. she's just like here. I fucking am <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like she's just she is she is she there's no she is not going to go back to who she was. And so for, for better and worse, I, I, I mean, for worse, really. But like she's found something in herself. Oh, God, that's a, is that terrible way to say she has had to, uh, she's gone through something, right? She's been reborn like the Phoenix. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. the Phoenix. Yeah. And I, 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 and I, guess, she is, I, guess, I mean, she, it is fantastical at this point. So I think that's a, well, I'm hesitant. I'm just hesitant to say that like this experience of having been assaulted and then hunted and then having to kill these guys mm-hmm. has made her her truer self. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to No, but I think it has put her in touch with um, some essential pieces of her, of her humanity. I like how you say that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the Thank movie, it, it doesn't feel like she is letting go of that at the end. It feels like she's just is that at the end. And I, I do appreciate that. Well, I think what you were saying before about, you know, she starts off the movie. She wants to go to L.A. She wants to be a star with all this like glitz and glamour. I think there, there's like a real pure innocence to her that even though she is sexualized and, you know, obviously having an affair with a married man and she's not a good quote unquote good person there is like an innocence to her there's like a hasn't been ruined by the world yet a naivete and by the yes and by the end of this movie she's like oh in one way or another i'm gonna have to do this you know maybe for the rest of my life because these are just dudes they're not just dudes that i'm with but these are just dudes in general i'm gonna have to protect myself like maybe not to this extreme anymore hopefully Mm -hmm. but I sort of have to be on my guard because at any point I can find myself in a situation right. like this. And let me, as we as we move toward toward the game portion to lighten things up, I just want to say because I've said it a lot, um, and we've all said it a little bit, like just dudes and dudes assaulting women and all that. Let, let me be very clear that most men do not do this. The vast majority of men do not assault women. However, the small number that do do it repeatedly over and over again. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about predators, which is different than human men. There is a reading of this movie that I thought at one point and I was sort of dissuaded out of it that I thought – so the confusion in this movie comes because Richard and Jen are on their little – not honeymoon, but they're on their little like sex, sex weekend or whatever. And then the, his friends show up a day early. And when I first saw this movie, I thought maybe – and I think that this might still be a possibility. I don't think it doesn't really matter. But I was like, maybe this is something that they've done before. Oh, wow. That like he's gone out with a girl 
to this sex house and that his friends, quote unquote, show up early and then something like this happens. And I don't know if that's actually because that would make them even bigger monsters. But I don't know if that's the case or if if it was like a genuine mix up, like they just got there early. And I don't know if it matters. But when I saw the first time, I'm like, I wonder if they've done this before. And that, you know, he's just he's so rich. He's able to like, you know, basically have a live sex toy for him and his two buddies and then buy her silence. You know what I mean? Yeah, I did not. That did not occur to me. I'll have to ponder that when I see the way we see Stan play out makes me unsure that that he would have done it before, but I, I'm confident that Richard has displayed that kind of predatory behavior before. It's funny that you call him rich because it, this felt to me like it was like a timeshare that he, that he had, like he was maybe not rich, rich, but like, uh, you know, like he's, he's doing well enough I mean, for his himself name is rich. That, that he, that, well, that's true. But I mean, he's not like, he, he's not, he doesn't <laughs> own, I don't get the sense that he owns this house. I get the sense that he's no, like, but the helicopter. He he doesn't own that though. He's here for a week, right? Isn't he here for a week? And like he's That's true. the buddies are coming for the long weekend. What well, the the I my guess would be that this has all happened before. Not the killing part, but the the that he's brought a a, a woman there, and then they've had sex for a couple of days, and then she leaves, and the buddies come, and they ha- and they hunt. Like that's sort of the thing that's happened, and that this time they happen to overlap with these guys and this woman at this time. Uh, but yeah, Stan, the Stan thing, I agree with Aislinn, is the thing that seems to give it away. He does not seem like a person who's gone through this in this way before. This doesn't seem like a pattern, necessarily. But maybe he has like a whole bunch of like terrible True. buddies who all like come out True. to like... Yeah, like I, I, mean, I said, I I'm know. sure Richard has done terrible things to women in the past including cheating on his wife you know what i mean you know what i mean yes so i i'm i'm confident that he has exploited other humans before Talk. the way he exploits all right. the humans in this you see it, um, comes very, it seems to come very naturally to him it does the, the switch flips and he's and he's there but yeah. but she triumphs jen overcomes the phoenix rises and gets on the <laughs> helicopter and then I immediately think of what happens next. But, the helicopter. But that's a different movie. So well, we don't know if she gets on the helicopter. She's standing as a helicopter arrives. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah we okay. don't we don't know what comes <laughs> next. I don't I don't want to worry about that too much. Instead, I would like to play a game. Yay! Yes, please. The game we're playing tonight, get your ding ready, is called Make It French. <laughs> oh boy. So as we have overanalyzed, there are many um, themes and motifs and um, visual representations that to me make it seem very French. We got bugs, we got man butts, um, we have sex <laughs> scenes in the first five minutes. I mean, any number of things that, that sure. scream foreign film, scream French to me. Sure. And I say that with um, affection. I, I don't say that in a judgmental way. I mean, I am uh, generalizing, but I am a human. So what I propose is that I have a list of several of the top grossing films of the past few years. And I would like you each to tell me <laughs> what you would do to make them French. Or if they were French, something oh. that makes them different if they were French. Uh-huh, However you conceptualize uh-huh. that. Okay. So okay. let's start with. Um, the origin of our of our friendship here, Wonder Woman. Make it French. Ooh. 
I would have Wonder Woman smoking cigarettes the entire time. Ooh, smoking Wonder Woman. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Joe, how do you make Wonder Woman French? I would have Wonder Woman. Um, uh, oh gosh, this is it's, this is hard because it gets into some French cliches that and I. And that is the game uh, we're playing. The, I feel like that's the point okay. of the game. Yeah. All right. God, I how feel. I feel bad. Make it a French cliche. Okay, if it's a French cliche, uh, she's not going to shave her pits. Um, <laughs> uh, and and she is going to, um, rather than being kind of naive and uh, the way she is, she's going to be just completely sarcastic and like almost like monotone sarcastic through the through the movie. And like roll her eyes a lot. Yeah, lots of disdain and rolling eyes. Yeah. So kind of, um, I apologize to our a, French a listeners. Smoking, we have some French uh, listeners, and I, I apologize. Well, I and well, I we can change the game if you want. No, no, I'm not. You know, it's, it's a good game. She's, I, I she's needed to get in the Daria? spirit of the game. Well, yeah, when he when he said oh, sarcastic she, and monotone. Like, yeah, that's right. That, okay, I just, just want to make sure we're on the same page. Okay, cool. Because I like that description. She's not literally smoking Daria. No, but she is a smoking version of Daria. Yeah, and maybe Daria smoked too, but she's French Daria. Okay. Our second uh, film in Make It a French Cliché is Inside Out. Oh. Oh. And I have an answer if y'all don't because I thought of the game. Are are you ready? As I'm thinking – I don't have one yet. As I'm thinking about this, there's a movie that I hope you have. Knowing our brief little podcast (laughs) friendship history, there's a movie in here that I hope you picked, which we're going to find out if you picked or not. So we'll get to there. But Inside Out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I, I, oh, go ahead. All five emotions are sadness. Yes. <laughs> That's See, what I was going to say. And I said <laughs> instead of sadness, it would be ennui. Mm. <laughs> yes. That's even better. Yes. yes. All four, all five were sadness. Good, good one. Um, I don't know if this is what you wanted, Joey, but my next pick is Furious 7. There we go. I was hoping for it. Sir, we have an unidentified vehicle approaching. <laughs> You're always hoping for it. So just just for the record, uh, we just recorded Furious Seven. It's going to come out on June first, which I think this is this episode is going to come out after that, right? So this, it'll already be out. That's right. Uh, you can go find that episode of your podcast right now. I was crying. It's like I did this on purpose. I was crying. You cried? Oh yeah. What happened? What's well, the one? It's the it's the last movie that Paul Walker <laughs> did before he died. Oh my gosh, I know. And what a, I mean, just still his death just overwhelms me yeah and the the, the the end of that movie coincidence okay Ugh. which we will get into when you guys are the when you when you and tobin are the first guests <laughs> of our lap two episode of lap two, i'm so excited the fast in the theory. meantime how would you make furious seven a french cliche I, I would I here's how here's how you do it. There uh it only takes place in Paris and they're all um vintage cars. I was thinking that too. There a lot of scenes them driving around the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's kind of like Ocean's Twelve, but with a lot of like old timey cars driving around. Nice. I like that they're, they're just driving in circles. I like that. That's good. Like through the Arc de Triomphe and like around <laughs> the Louvre. Just, like, yeah. Exactly. In cars yeah. that are too small for their bodies. Yes. <laughs> yes, they're exactly. All, they're not convertibles, but they don't, none of them have tops. And yeah. They're all like like Vin Diesel's like hulking out of like this the driver's seat. I love it. That's mm-hmm. good. I like that. Yep. Uh, I realized that my last two selections share a lead a lead actor, so I, potentially my final selection for make it a French cliche: Jurassic World. 
the dinosaurs are smoking cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, uh, oh, I know. Um, <laughs> Chris Pratt. Uh, doesn't wear pants for a large majority of the film. There lots of go. lots of fat buns. Give me them buns. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so difficult because Joey, you really took a huge stride ahead in the tabulation with the dinosaurs are smoking cigarettes. Then Tobin gave me Pratt buns. So it's just like, did was that enough to go over the top? And I don't think it was. I think <laughs> Joey with Jurassic oh. smoking dinosaurs wins. Yay! I am 2-0 in these games. I love these games. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I've not won any of these games. Well, they're all wonderful. They are, you know, I do way too many podcasts here on this network, and I am always on the hunt for new segments and new games and new ways to just do things that aren't just talk about the movie. And Island inspires me every day with these wonderfully inventive games. Well, thank you so much. I, I do my part. You do. It's they're they're so much fun. Okay. So now I've come to the point in our podcast where we have to talk about whether this movie is progressive or regressive. Is it a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Uh, so Joey, let's start with you. What do you say? I mean, I don't know if I've gushed about this movie enough, but I think that it's just it's like an absolute reversal of everything you think this kind of movie is going to be or could be or should be or whatever. And I think it's showing women. I mean, all you need to do is look at that teaser put up by neon in advertising this film. And like, it's so progressive that it's bothering these, these, whatever the humiliating term that we should afflict upon them. I would just say trolls, trolls that they are so bothered by the presence, the mere presence of a fictionalized strong woman that they cannot help but release their vitriol upon the internet. So I think in that regard alone, let alone everything else in the movie, it is very progressive. Awesome. Aislinn, what do you say? I agree on in many parts. There's a little bit where I just want everyone to get it and clearly those trolls don't get it. And so I right. have to ask, like, even if you don't get if you even if you're not in on the subversion, is it still progressive? And I think that's where the the behind the camera and the way things are handled um in this film still makes it so I say yes and yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and in the end, now that I have enjoyed talking about it more than watching it so thank you joey well thank you tobin what do you say this is hard this was a hard one for me i've gone back and forth on this i so i have to say a few things first one progressive does not mean automatically the movie is a recommendation for me sure. <laughs> like if and and or and, and the reverse the reverse is true as well you know if you want to see this movie <laughs> you, you've probably already seen this movie if you want to see this movie yeah so that whether or not i come down progressive or regressive that it doesn't have to do with whether i recommend the movie the second thing is that I don't know that we need another movie like this. However, if there's going to be another movie like this, this is the movie that it should be. And so ultimately, I'm going to agree with you guys and say this is this is progressive. This is a step forward. I hope that it's not a step we need to take very many more times, uh, although I don't necessarily hold out hope with that. But yes, I say this is uh, I would say this is ultimately progressive. 
And speaking of progressive, next time we're going to do something a little bit lighter, hopefully. Uh, we're going to see Ocean's 8, the new Ocean's movie, which will be out by the time this podcast lands. Oh, I'm so excited. So, uh, yeah, go check out that movie and then come back and listen to our conversation. You'll get that episode in your feed on June 26th. That's June 26th for Ocean's 8. Hey, Joey, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for making this a more – I enjoyed this movie more. Uh, that's not the way to say it. I, as I said, I enjoyed talking about this movie more than I enjoyed watching it. So thank you for bringing it to our attention. Well, thank you both for watching it. I do want to say that if you are interested, uh, Coralie Farja, 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 how do we do it? Farja. Coralie Farja. She's your friend. She is my friend. She follows me on Twitter. Hey, how do you say your name? I do think that if we at her in this, she might respond. So she, she doesn't, she's not huge. I think that she deserves all of the acclaim and all the fans in the world because she is a marvelous filmmaker, I think. But what I was saying is, in regards to that is that she has a short film called Reality Plus. And if you have Amazon Prime, it's mm. on Amazon Prime to watch for free. It's like 25 minutes. And I don't I don't remember a ton about it. I watched it after I saw Revenge for the first time. It's not as – I don't like it as much as this. I was hoping for something that was like mind-blowing like this, and it's not. But I think it's interesting and worth watching and also free to legally watch if you have Prime. So if you want to – if you like this or like the sound of this and want something that's not as gruesome, go check out Reality Plus. Nice. Awesome. recommendation. Thank you. Very cool. Where can people find you? Well, I am at Soul Popped just about everywhere. But instead of following me, because I don't really do anything exciting, follow at Cage Club Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Go to Facebook.com slash Cage Club. Just follow us collectively instead of following me, because that is more interesting, I think, than following me. Awesome. And you can find me at Tobin Addington on Twitter. Eisen, where can we find you? Hiding from the Internet. <laughs> um, you can find me at Sassy Nerd MT on Twitter. And you can find us at facebook.com slash the contenders pod or on Twitter at contenders underscore pod. Come by and say hi. You can make me watch a movie I hate. <laughs> um, we here at the contenders are proud members of the Cage Club podcast network. We're so proud we just can't get the founders off our show. That's how excited <laughs> we are. Um, you can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me and you can find them on Twitter at Cage Club Pod, as Joey said. Yep. And if you like our show, please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us feel good, helps us spread the word about our show, and we really appreciate you listening to us. I am Tobin Addington. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Aislinn Addington. And we'll see you next time on The Contenders. God, I hate you all. You can't hate me. I had nothing to do with this. No, this is entirely me. <laughs> That's true. It's actually it's Twitter. It's Twitter and Joey. <laughs> Who is in my phone, Joey Podcast. That's perfect. <laughs> is that why you texted me that? Yeah. That's funny. That's good. Support our listeners. And um tonight or today, uh, I'm gonna start okay. all over yeah, the fuck sure. again. Okay, ready? I know what the blooper's gonna be. <laughs> this was my yeah this is my fuck up <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>